This episode of the Gentleman Scofflaw podcast is brought to you by Patreon and the Gentleman Scofflaw merchandise page. Go to gentlemanscofflaw.com. In the menu, click the support or shop links to help support the show. You are listening to the Gentleman Scofflaw podcast. Listener beware. Rise and shine, the liquor store is open. I ain't got time for moping. I best be on my way. Well, I still got time to save my reputation. Time to go day drinking in this dirty little town. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Gentleman's Scoff Law Podcast, the podcast for the rebel and the renaissance man. I'm your host, Jordan Crowder, co-hosting... With me, as per usual, is the Don, Donovan Fowler. How you doing? Yo, good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty, right. pretty, hey, pretty good. Hey, Don. Yeah. You remember the coronavirus? The corona. Yes. Uh, it seems like such a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, also, uh, it seems like quite the picnic compared to, you know... <laughs> where we're at these days i know but you know it's crazy how my microphone has coronavirus (laughs) no yeah (laughs) it is crazy how things can change in an instant and uh something can seem like the coronavirus that was such a big thing can seem so insignificant in the moment (laughs) Um, it's true i think people are kind of over it you know which is not to say that it's, uh, you know, not still hanging around the corner waiting to to take us out. But it is just funny thinking about like what, like two months ago or so we were we were uh, interviewing uh, Doc over at Brit- over in Britain yeah. about it. Just like how, you know, is this huge crisis? <laughs> and obviously, you know, it's not like it didn't leave a significant dent, but yeah. it's just I don't know. Well, <laughs> right now, it seems a little like uh, I, you know, maybe I'll take that <laughs> over where we're at. I don't know. I, I guess I shouldn't say that because a hundred thousand people did die in the United States. Yeah, uh, but that's true. but uh, but yeah. Anyways, it's just you know, I, I think I think people are gonna people might be looking back at the coronavirus and pining for those that that golden age, <laughs> a simpler time. Open. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously we don't, don't mean to make light of everything that's going on, but, um, you know, maybe this episode will help, uh, bring you some, some sort of levity, uh, yeah. in the moment. And obviously stress with us, de-stress yeah. with us a little bit. Obviously our hearts, uh, go out to, you know, the people that are victims of racism and the people that are out there on the front lines fighting this thing right now it's just a terrible situation for everybody all, all the good all the good people you know yeah. we raise our glasses to all the good all people the good out there people. thank you so yeah thank and, you for and, doing you know, what you're doing good people unite is what i say yeah that should be a t-shirt obviously that's a pretty <laughs> wait is that captain <laughs> planet <laughs> i mean i do have uh the, the captain planet ring you know oh, yeah. heart heart wind yeah what was, oh, yeah. Wait, what? What did heart have to do with it? Because there were all the elements, and then they added oh, heart. I think in it there. was just like it was like they ran out of elements. They were like, "We got this Puerto Rican kid, and he, <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't have he doesn't, he doesn't have, have any power. So what can we throw in there?" And somebody's like, "Heart, <laughs> uh, money, but, uh, yeah, um, money." <laughs> yeah, I just I I used to love Captain Planet as a kid, and I remember um, Ooh, playing. Really? 
Yeah, I did. I really liked it as a kid. I had the ring and the action figure. Are you looking? Are you looking forward to the Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> adaptation? Did you hear that he no. bought the rights? That's oh, that, that no. series. I don't. Know. I don't know how they. I honestly, that's the sort of thing where it's like, good luck. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, you know, you you can try to adapt that, but I don't know. I I don't know if it'll go much further than what it was. No, maybe not. But I we I remember as kids we were so pumped up, so amped up by it that like on our. Uh, on our, on our lunch break, we uh, we had, like, this Captain Planet Club. And so, like, we would try and we'd make our own rings out of uh, uh, pipe cleaner. And then we would try to – we'd basically just spend the lunch hour cleaning up trash. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we wasted wow. our lunch hour. Wow. That's, uh, that, that is slightly adorable, but also <laughs> – very disturbing. No, I remember. I mean, I, I remember playing Power Rangers on. Uh, oh yeah, they banned we were, Power we Rangers in our school. Yeah, Power Rangers. We were we were uh, cleaning up a different sort of trash on our playground. You know, <laughs> taking care of that, that human rabbit. trash. Any anybody with a paper lunch sack, we were like, <laughs> you're, you're, you don't belong in this neighborhood. Get out of here. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of which, this is not a segue at all. But uh, <laughs> cleaning up the trash. You're always of cleaning good. Up the trash, you're, yeah, you're you're always good. Speaking segues. of cleaning up the trash, uh, yeah, in a little we bit we're gonna have uh, Navy Seal Clint Emerson, author of 100 Deadly Skills, um, oh, yeah. to talk about his work and uh, you know life as a Marine and all, all the things that maybe could be helpful. Oh, oh life as a Marine. What I say. You said uh, life as a Marine. Oh, let me let me re-say that. I'm saving that. your life right now because right. he'll he'll come to your house and kill you over that. I'm, he'll use one of his deadly skills to right. take you out. I said life as a Navy SEAL is what I meant to say, but I tripped of over course. my words. I was um, just looking out for you. Thank you, you for correcting to, me. I, I, I wasn't trying to be a Karen. I was just, you know, I was just looking out for you, okay? Thanks, Karen. Yeah, whatever. Um, whatever. <laughs> let's start off with a bit of housekeeping, which brings okay. us... To our new little uh, segment we've got going on here, sort of segment, or our new yeah. our new theme this month, we're doing Junk Whiskey June. So, yeah, Junk Whiskey June. Uh, Donovan and I have both selected some, uh, uh, together selected some of the famous junk whiskeys that we're going to try out this month and compare them to each other. And I've never actually, here we go, today, this month we're doing Jack Daniels. Although, yep. I thought we were supposed to both go in and get little samples. You bought a full lot of I could. I couldn't resist. I would actually, here's, you know, here's how much of a, uh, a mindless consumer I am. I went into uh, Lucas liquor, shout out to Lucas liquor down the, uh, down the road. And, um, they had a Jack Daniels gift set, a holiday gift set, really? which I was like, Hmm, this is interesting. Same price as, you know, regular bottle of Jack Daniels. And it comes with a little, uh, highball glass, which yeah. is, uh, you know, it's got snowflakes all over it, so it's a little seems a little inappropriate oh, for yeah. uh, for you know the middle of, or beginning of June when for it's like episode ninety two degrees outside. Is that what you meant to say? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to you know uh, hide this away when when he's on. But no, I, I I was like I was like you know what I haven't had Jack Daniels in a while. I'll just add it to my whiskey collection. Yeah, there so you go. I was it was actually cheaper than I thought it was. You and I were talking about it last week, and uh, I had misquoted the price. I thought that they. Were, I thought that the shelf price was considerably more, and that always kept me from buying it. But yep. maybe it was just the places I was buying it at. Well, let's give uh-huh. it a little try. I have never, I haven't had this since. Gosh, yeah. I don't know when. I've had a, one of the things that I will say about Jack Daniels is it is always. I've always enjoyed it with Coke. 
or Dr. Pepper. Yeah, it's a good mixer. Like I would at a say. bar when you just want something and, kind of fizzy, but not too full, complicated. Full disclaimer, too. When we say junk whiskey, I mean, like some people out there may actually like Jack Daniels. Yeah. Uh, hell, after I try it, I may actually like it again. But uh, I feel like when, when we say junk whiskey, we're just talking about like kind of entry level, like mainstream stuff that yeah. is super low price, kind of bottom of the shelf kind of stuff. Yeah. But like I said, some people out there may uh, hold uh, old Jack in really high esteem and we don't we don't shame you for that. Man, That's why we're Sinatra was a fan of Jack. He was buried with a bat uh, with a bottle of Jack Daniels, right? Well, that was back when it was 43 percent alcohol. Not before they took it down to 40, but I don't think anybody really cares about that, except for maybe (laughs) college girls. All right. So smelling it, it definitely, right off the bat, has a little bit of that nail polish smell. That's the only way I could describe it. Got that nail polish remover? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, well... Well, yeah, that's what I first thought. I feel like Jack may have been one of the first whiskeys I ever tried, and I definitely thought that. Yeah. I wasn't picking up on on the although I, I do you know it is a uh, charcoal filtered and the charcoal is made from maple wood. Okay. Uh, I'm pu- I'm picking up a little bit of maple in there. I mean, like I've said before, I, I don't have the that. best nose. I don't have the best nose. Like I'll like I'll smell like bubble gum in in whiskey every once in a while. <laughs> or Wonder Bread or whatever. <laughs> or Wonder Bread, yeah. <laughs> if if it's moonshine, definitely Wonder Bread. All right. Well, you can give it a little sip then. Try it out. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. It definitely has a little bit of a burn there. Yeah, it's pretty, you know, it's ironically like for a 40% or 80 proof whiskey. Yeah. It's got a nice little afterburn, as I say. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's like as far as taste goes, it's like it's pretty mellow and smooth, which is what the bottle says. So it's like obviously really? I'm a, like I yeah, don't I'd think of the, it that smooth, but I don't know really? why I'm getting it. I don't, like, I'm not getting I'm not. Well, maybe not smooth going down the throat, but as far as like in your in your mouth, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's uh, to me, it's it's kind of a mellow taste. Yeah. It's not bursting with flavor. No, it's like like it's Evan Williams ball of bond is. Yeah. Pretty well. Pretty Evan Williams, maybe to me, is smoother, but there's also less alcohol in it. I think I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it might have the same percentage or more than Jack Daniels. Bottled and Bond. I shouldn't be comparing it to Bottled and Bond because Bottled and Bond is 100 proof, yeah. and it's also, I think it's 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 a richer kind of whiskey. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, I it, it's a you know Jack Daniels. I'd say it's a good whiskey how many like do are we doing a metric for this do we do like bottles maybe or or yeah. how, how, how are we gonna rate this we can give it uh i don't know on on a scale from one to five we can give it uh how how many uh i don't know what i'm trying to think of three point three point five bottles yeah three point five bottles <laughs> Three point well, we'll figure out a we'll 3. figure out a five glenn car glasses yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, you know what, I feel like my experiences with Jack is some bad hangovers. Yeah. So I think that may have tarnished my, uh, my thing with it. Jack Daniels is sort of like the Jameson of, um, of, uh, American whiskey to me. It's it, to me, it definitely has more of a kind of like a black licorice kind of harsh 
flavor to it. And I would say if mm. this was the first whiskey I tried, I probably would not like whiskey for a while just because of how harsh it is. But now but I think ironic. I can appreciate it. That's ironic because I feel like it's a, it's what a lot of people try for the first time. Like according to according to Wikipedia, this is uh, it's the top selling whiskey in the world. Yeah. Like it's and I mean, you know, I, I think most of the time, like actually uh, we talked about this a little bit, but uh, Nick Swartzen has this great bit on uh, Jack Daniels. And he's like, yeah, I was reading a magazine the other day and uh, I saw an advertisement for Jack Daniels and it just said, Jack Daniels, drink responsibly. And he's like, and I laughed because does anybody really think about drinking responsibly responsibly when they're when they're going to pick up some Jack Daniels? <laughs> and he was like, he was like, you know what the tagline should be? Jack Daniels, fucking good luck. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, and it's it, it is kind of true because it is like it's the mainstream whiskey that like I think it's like what you find in an empty bottle of in a hotel room after a bunch of rock stars trashed it. Yeah, either that or <laughs> you know, or like at like parties, you know, like it's the party whiskey, you know, because yeah. it's I guess it's cheap and it's it's high profile. You've definitely got like a lot of brand recognition, but supposedly I did a little research on it. It did win the gold medal for finest whiskey at the St. Louis Fair in 1904. Hmm. And after that, uh, it's won. I think the bottle says it won seven gold medals since then. Hmm. Um so, you know, I mean, like I said, I'm not a whiskey snob. I, I, uh, even though sometimes I pretend to be, but, uh, I, I feel like it's, I feel like it's a decent whiskey. And, you know, if you're looking for something to, to wet your whistle, it's, it's not the worst. The charcoal, uh, filtering is interesting. Yeah. They call it the Lincoln County process. Right. And, uh, what was the other thing about it? That's okay. So it's a, it's basically people have said that the, the whiskey itself is basically a straight bourbon. Like really? it's got the qualities of the bourbon, but it's just but they don't market it in the that right way. County or do they well, not? No, because that's the thing is that you and I have talked about this a couple of times and, and there's this myth that it can't be called a bourbon. And that's why people were always like, Oh, Jack Daniels, it's a Tennessee whiskey because it's not made in Kentucky. Yeah. But then I kept seeing like Texas bourbon or te- like yeah. Tennessee bourbon. Like I'd see these bottles with labels and I'd be like, What's the deal? So I looked it up. So there's five criteria. We're going to put this to bed once and for all, all because right. I feel like we've we've come up against this a couple of times. We've, and we've probably perpetuated the rumor a bunch of times. Probably. I think we've perpetuated it, but then like there are a couple of times we've been like, oh, yeah, what's the difference again? And we're just too lazy to look it up. <laughs> but uh, I, I finally looked it up and it says, uh, OK, so the five the five things are it has to be U.S. made. So if it's going to be a bourbon, it has to be a U.S. made whiskey. It has to be aged in new charred oak barrels, which is pretty standard, I think. Um, the mash has to be at least 51% corn. And then the uh, it has to be a barreled at 125 proof and bottled at 80. So that would that would match for this. And then no additives but water. So you can't add anything like – I mean technically – Evan Williams does have flavored whiskey, but 
I think they stop calling it bourbon once they, you know, bottle it with like an apple flavor, which yeah. pisses me off. I'm like, <laughs> why? Like, why do we need to do this? I'm always so irritated when I go down the liquor, uh, the whiskey aisle at the liquor store and I see all these uh, flavored well, stuff. To it's me, like, it seems like such a waste of whiskey because like you could buy whiskey and you can buy apple juice or flavoring or whatever you want to mix it with you can make your own cocktail like whenever yeah. you buy something that's flavored like that i feel like well why i don't know if you you know you like what you like i'm not criticizing yeah i mean well, I'm just well saying i'd rather get more way, like, bang for my buck yeah yeah i mean at the end of the day it's like i'm not gonna i don't know maybe there are more intricacies there like jack daniels tennessee honey or whatever but i i tried that before and i didn't particularly find it all that great i think it's for like marketed towards the college crowd or whatever who can't really uh can't really stomach the the real stuff like fireball yeah right (laughs) i once exactly i i think i had fireball once at a christmas party like and i was just having it neat and that's the cinnamon whiskey with the uh i had that on uh the go ruck actually oh yeah i remember they like uh there was those uh uh shadows the people oh, who are participating, did. but they had a fireball bottle and I took a swig of it. Back when uh, you could take a swig, not during a pandemic, you could just grab somebody. I know, I know. <laughs> well, actually, that's a good question. I wonder, doesn't the alcohol, eh, maybe the alcohol doesn't kill uh, well, good old Yeah, the alcohol, or it probably doesn't kill the germs on the surface of the flask or bottle okay. or whatever you're yeah. sharing. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a doctor, by the way. I'm but, no doctor. <laughs> but uh, if you drink this much whiskey, you might stay healthy. By the uh, way, I'm smoking some of my graveyard mix in uh, in a, 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 a Missouri Meerschaum Dagner poker. Nice. Classic. Oh, that's like perfect, dude. For yeah. I mean, granted, I don't know. You just you have a little bit of Tennessee whiskey and a Missouri, a Missouri Meerschaum. Nothing more American than that. Well, I know. It's as American as it gets. Okay, so here's two facts that just while we're on it, yeah. two facts that actually made me interested in uh, uh, this whole thing with um, with Jack Daniels. So it's it's made in Lynchburg, uh, Tennessee, but because of it's a dry county, so it's yeah. still a dry county. Oh, but, I remember hearing so they, about this. They can they can distill it because of some law. They can distill it there. But they can't but sell it there, right? They can't sell it. Although I think there's like a weird loophole where if you make it like commemorative, like commemorative uh like item, you can sell it. So they make these like com- commemorative bottles and stuff that they sell from the from the distillery uh, itself. From the distillery. But speaking of the bottle, so you and I have talked about the square yeah. bottle before. Yeah. Um, or I guess technically this was I don't know, whatever you call it, square cube or whatever. But um, we've talked about Evan Williams has a similar bottle. There's like an argument going on as to whether or not like one took from the other. This said that um, what's his name? Jack. Dan- <laughs> what's his name? Jack Daniel, the <laughs> Jack guy who started Daniel. the whiskey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that guy. Uh, he uh, decided upon the square bottle because he intended it to convey fairness and integrity. Which I will say. For sounds like in bullshit. terms of form, <laughs> it does sound like bullshit. But in terms of form, yeah, this is like a good looking bottle, yeah. man. I've I mean, you taken see it that every time, like, and every time you want to do like some sort of like uh, yeah. vintage design that look that almost has like an old west look to it, yeah. that's what oh, you yeah. do. You try and copy well, the Jack Daniels bottle, and like, I like, I feel like from now on. 
no matter what, whether I really take to Jack Daniels or not, which like I said, I, I, I don't mind it. I, I will have a Jack Daniels bottle on my liquor shelf just because it looks so pretty. Yeah, it does. Like it looks it's, cool. it's a, it's, it's a pretty, it bottle. encapsulates the idea round. of gentleman and scofflaw at once, mm-hmm. which it's true because you are. could really, you could really grab this and beat somebody over the head with it. <laughs> yeah, they, you could. You know, came in at the wrong time. It's a quintessential could, uh, bar brawl bottle. <laughs> or you can bring it out in like a nice little, you know, vest and bow tie and be like, <laughs> would you like some number seven, old number seven brand? <laughs> some uh, old number seven, see? Old number seven. But uh, the other the other uh, interesting fact that we should look into, because I, I couldn't really, I didn't really do as deep a dive on this as I wanted to, but it was still interesting. Apparently whiskey was, uh, whiskey production was banned during World War II. Oh, I can't figure out why. Not um, an essential I, item, maybe? I don't know. I guess not, dude. I mean, medicinal, if you ask yeah. me. But um, that's weird. It's Sanitation. like between 1942 and 1946, I think they stopped. But maybe it's because they needed... Uh, maybe maybe the they needed for a, vehicles or something? Or they needed the wheat, like, uh, and uh, whatever, you know, barley, corn, all that stuff uh, for um, food for troops and oh, stuff. that makes sense. Well, but that's that's the that's the only thing that I can think of because obviously prohibition would have been over and all yeah. that jazz. Well, let's uh, let's take a shift a little bit here. And uh, Donovan, you sent me some of these articles uh, this yeah. week, and uh, yeah, and uh, we always like to go over some of the the happenings that are going on um, in the news. And yes. here, <laughs> all right, we we like to stay stay abreast of current events. Sorry for the noise. I'm I'm dropping ice into my glass because it's freaking hot here, it's man. Hot. Yeah, it's getting hot here. It's hot here. Got this, uh, this news from Florida, um, which could Florida. always be a yeah. risky thing, but we have Key West High School follows coronavirus social distancing measures with a jet ski graduation. Yes. So this was five days ago, yeah. and uh, it was funny because basically uh, – I was perusing the news as I'm apt to do. And, you know, like most news sites, they have like a column of news. So it's like you scroll down and it's like headline after headline. And I think in this particular case, it had been like uh, uh, the headline above. There were a bunch of grim headlines and like, you know, just current events, of course. And, uh, you know, I get to one headline which says uh, U.S. crosses 100,000 deaths in COVID crisis. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. And then, uh, you know, I just I scroll down to expect more bad news. And then I see a, uh, a guy in a cap and gown with a mask and a, on a jet ski just like going crazy <laughs> in a uh, – I like yeah, that that mask whatever, isn't doing Harper. any work in that I, whole situation. <laughs> I know it's so so stupid. It's such a and, it's uh, such a total like f you move like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah I'll, I'll wear my mask but I'm gonna be on a jet ski while I do it. <laughs> did you hear actually? Quick side note: Did you hear the thing about how like couples are encouraged to wear masks during sex? What? <laughs> or, uh, yeah. Well, that's just a regular Saturday night at my house, but I uh, I did not know it was recommended by the... a regular Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, I mean that it's just anyways. Long story short, um, I just found it the juxtaposition of like this kid 
in his like graduation cap and gown on a jet ski with, uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the grim news above, but it was, uh, it was, it was charming. You know, the, the, whatever the Dean or whoever was giving out diplomas was giving them out on one of those little old people like grasper sticks, okay. you know, that they used <laughs> to pick stuff I've up. I've got one of those. Yeah. Just to keep up social distancing and like, and like some, you know, kids would just jet ski by and pick up their diploma. <laughs> I feel like it's a, you know, props to them though. It's a pretty epic way to graduate. Yeah. How many of those diplomas do you think got dropped in the water? <laughs> I'm sure oh, man. one or uh, two. Sure. I they use those, those grabbers. Weird. They don't work very well. I, uh, I bought uh, one because we had this massive dresser that was impossible to move on carpet and uh, I would always drop things behind the dresser. Oh uh, yeah. That's a good so idea. I bought one of those. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Dude, uh, back in the day, my mm. dad actually, I think we still have it. He had one of those where it was a grabber and it was like a spring loaded thing where it had these four claws that like shot out, oh, you really? know, like unison and they would grab. It was great, but it was like, I think it was meant for like putting down drains and grabbing stuff if they'd gotten caught. Oh, like you yeah, could use yeah. it for anything, but we'd use it. Yeah, it was like a. I can't remember the name of it, but it was it was it was actually an effective grabber. Yeah, I uh, another thing I found uh, today in the news, uh, <laughs> which is really, really, it's not really anything relevant. But there's this video that um, of this older woman that is like I don't know, she's got to be like a you know like old grandma age. And she's yeah. walking on the sidewalk in this park, and she's just like all huffy and really mad looking. And then it pulls out, <laughs> oh, and there's Karen two, alert. yeah, there's these two little kids in a power wheels <laughs> driving around uh, in the park. You know, as fast as a power wheel can go, which is You're not like that fast. two miles an hour. <laughs> and yeah. uh, she's like huffing, and the mom is it's like she is the can is the P- camera POV, and she's like he's like you got to get those kids off you know off the road here it's like those kids don't have licenses they don't have driver's licenses and then her response is just well because it's not a real car (laughs) what are you talking (laughs) about and just this woman that hate that you know just is so grumpy with these little kids that are having fun and i've i've experienced stuff like that before like even last summer when i was in michigan uh on vacation we were on uh lake michigan and i was flying one of those stunt kites and this oh, yeah, right. old woman came out and started yelling at me because I was my my kite was over her property line because her 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 house was on the beach, and she was so pissed. She was yelling at me about like why why do some people have to destroy others' joy like that? It's, you're not doing yeah. anything dangerous. I mean, also it's like how long have power wheels been around <laughs> that this woman? <laughs> it's like. You know, it's not like there's some new thing that the kids are into. Like power wheels have been around since I was uh, a a young shaver uh, and I'm 30 years old. So like it's it's like, come on, you know, it's just it's it's the ultimate guide. I mean, to be fair. Uh, well, not to be fair, but like in terms of like Karenness, yeah. I mean that we we are seeing this new like kind of thing of like uh, this new meme of like, oh, are you being a Karen or whatever? And that's definitely being a Karen. <laughs> but it's made me question even like 
like I was at the computer store the other day and they screwed up, you know, like my, you know, whole thing with the battery. And yeah, I talked to you about this. Like they didn't put the screws back in, like they did a really bad job. And, um, I had to like temper myself though, because I was like, okay, wait, if you cross this line, you may grow like a Karen haircut and become like that. (laughs) Talk to your manager. So I was trying to word it correctly. Like I was trying to like, say like, Instead of like, oh, can I see your manager? I was like, should I use supervisor or, you know, what should I say? Like your boss? Anyways, but it's just funny because it's like made me relatively self-conscious. Let's circle back to the Karen haircut. How does that look good on anybody? When has that ever been a good look? I mean, (laughs) I feel like. Kate Goslin was rocking it for a little while, Which one was and that? people seemed to be okay. Uh, John and Kate plus eight. Do you remember oh that yeah, show? that's that's the image yeah. they always use for Karen. Isn't that reason. isn't that pretty much the Karen haircut? Yeah. Isn't, wasn't that her? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, at the end of the day, the Karen haircut. It's sort of like it is. It's it's fascinating because it's like the ultimate sub- suburban mom. But it look. also was a popular look for like uh, it was scene it was. kids in the early two thousands. <laughs> oh yeah like hardcore kids that were in hardcore and emo was it, bands was it supposed to be like ironic though maybe I don't are know. we talking boys or girls though boys I, you would know my really. brother had one he had a karen haircut yeah where it's like flipped up in the back and then comes to a point in the front <laughs> oh okay 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 but 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 you need you need like the side that's the yeah. thing you need like the side with like that's what yeah. I, I was like your brother had a karen haircut um <laughs> It's true. It's true. It was a scene that honestly, I'm not going to defend emo or scene kids. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, we're, we're, we're so far past that. I I'm so glad that stuff is gone and those haircuts are gone. Peter Parker in Spider-Man three should have known better, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it is funny how it became a thing. It's like any haircut. It's like when women used to have those, um, like those curly froze, yeah, not, my was, mom had a curly like, fro in the early 90s. Yeah, like I just don't get it. Like I don't really quite understand how that kind of stuff becomes. Oh, it's like uh, what's her name in uh, uh, People versus O.J. Simpson or not People. Her oh, yeah. American murder story or whatever. Yeah, yeah, American yeah. Pride story where uh, the prosecutor, the prosecutor yeah. gets uh, gets like the, the little perm haircut. Yeah, yeah. And it's like. I don't know. It's my, just to me, my, I don't really quite understand the the drive behind those, even when they were hot. My mom had more one of those like Jennifer Gray haircuts from. Uh, from oh yeah, that's what she it's had in the early the 90s. big hair. Yeah, 80s. the big hair. Yeah, I feel like that. I can kind of get. Yeah. I, I can kind of understand that to a certain degree because uh, it was like a trend, and it was like. Miami Vice. <laughs> Miami Vice. Actually, so fun, like, uh, thing. Actually, I'm going to start writing reviews of, of, we talked about this for a little while. I'm, I'm going to start writing reviews of, like, cheap entertainment, uh, like anything that you can kind of find on streaming services and not have to go to a theater or whatever. But my dad, um, the other night, he was like, hey, where's that DVD box set that we have of Miami Vice? <laughs> and I was like, <sighs> at first. That's like was, the most dad friend. Most dad I, phrase a dad can ask. Yeah. Well, at first, and the irony is, is, I think I bought him this box set back when I was like buying like DVD box sets of 24 and stuff. I thought, yeah. oh, this looks like maybe this is. Anyways, I knew that he liked it. And uh, I was like, at first, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch Miami Vice. Like, like, oh, cringe, you know, kind yeah. of thing. 
And uh, but then I saw that uh, they had it on stars because I had this like deal with stars and um, they had the whole series. So mm. we watched like the first couple episodes and granted, like it's 80s cheese to a certain degree, yeah. but also to a certain degree, it's like super iconic. Like yeah. you can see why people were into it. And if you just kind of throw off your self-awareness and like, yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing. Like you can see why people were into that stuff. And it's like, that's where I, I have a little bit of sympathy for, uh, yeah. I guess maybe it's because I was born in the eighties. I don't maybe. know. I got to check it out. Four months. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break and we're going to be back with Clint Emerson, the Navy seal. Sorry, I oh, got yeah. that wrong, Clint, when you're listening to this later. <laughs> not uh, a ranger, not a Green Beret, <laughs> Navy SEAL. Men or women, this one's for you. Let me take a second to talk to you about GORUCK. Now, you've heard us on this show talk about their awesome endurance events, which are you know great for fitness and team building. But of course, they are known for their amazing gear. Some of the best gear in the world, actually. I myself own a GR1 rucksack for all my rucking and training. I also have one of their uh, 30-pound ruck plates, which is so convenient because I could just drop it in the laptop compartment on my bag, and I have a weighted ruck. It's super cool. But one of my all-time favorite things that they offer are their sandbags. Now, if you've never trained with a sandbag, you're in for a treat. I love that you can keep it in the trunk of your car and take it to the park, and you have a gym anywhere. Ever try doing sandbag man makers with 60 pounds? I mean, you get a fun and very hard training session in really quickly. Um, It's a big bag of suck in all the right ways. Now, even if you're not in the rucking, they have tons of sleek apparel for the outdoors in addition to their gear uh, that is tough as nails and built to military standards. Also, their apparel and gear offer their scars a lifetime warranty. So you buy the item once and that's it. You're set for life. But you know what the greatest thing is about GORUCK? All of it is made in the good old USA and by special forces veterans, mind you. It doesn't get more badass than that. That's right, America. To check out GORUCK gear, go to gentlemanscofflaw.com slash GORUCK and anything you buy through that link helps support the show. That's gentlemanscofflaw.com slash GORUCK. Whether it's for your fitness regimen, your, you know, your outdoor lifestyle, or just, you know, a great bag for everyday carry, um, you're going to want to check them out. Go Ruck, built in the USA. All right, uh, Donovan, I'm excited to have this guest. Um, he's uh, very apropos for this time in history. He's written a book uh, called 100 Deadly Skills, um, which uh, would probably be the most important book on your bookshelf, especially right now, post-apocalyptic uh, ap- world. Uh, Clint Emerson, thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. How you guys doing? We're doing we're pretty, doing good. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good under the circumstances. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Clint, for our listeners that uh, that don't know you, I'd love to you know learn a little bit about your background. Uh, first off, you know how you got started, why you wanted to become a Navy SEAL, and kind of what happened after that. Oh wow, that's uh, yeah, that's going way back, <laughs> <laughs> way um, back. Yeah, I think for me, it's different for all guys. You know, I think, you know, some people go down the path of, you know, 
a higher level of patriotism. So they join the military and go serve. Some do it because their family's been doing it for generations. Uh, for me, it's real simple. I grew up in Saudi. I didn't like the culture. And I was like, you know what? I want to come back someday and, uh, you know, maybe mess with these people after them messing with me. <laughs> and it's about as honest as honest can be. But it is what it is. Uh, patriotism for me didn't kick in until you show up to the USS Cole and you see a hole blown in the side of it. And you've got this weird kind of overwhelming feeling of the unknown, which I'm sure a lot of people have right now, especially when the virus first came out and when protests first break out. You get this little feeling like, huh, what does this mean? How is all this going to affect me? And that was kind of the same for me when uh, I saw the USS Cole for the first time all you know, listing like that most advanced destroyer at the time. Then I was like, okay, now that's the feeling of patriotism. That's the feeling of let's do something for the greater good so that we don't, uh, have to deal with this again. And as you know, history has already told us, we did have to deal with it. Um, so like all seals, you go in, you go through buds, basic underwater demolition seal training, and then you, uh, you become a seal. Um, Hell week, yes, it's tough. You're wet, cold, and sandy and uncomfortable. And that's where the term getting comfortable with uncomfortable becomes your motto for, <laughs> you know, six months. And then uh, once all the chafing is gone and <laughs> realize that your balls are still there, you graduate. And, uh, and then you become a SEAL. Uh, back then, when I was in, uh, you had to... Your peers decided when you got your trident, which is the symbol we wear on our chest. These days, they get it like when they go through a second piece of training called SQT. Um, but back then, you know, my buddies basically decide, you know, when you get it. And it's based on being a, it's based solely on being a new guy. You got to be a good new guy um, before you get your bird. And then, uh, yeah, then I was at SEAL Team 3. Uh, then I went out to the NSA for a little while. They had a seal billet out there. And then I finished my career at, um, uh, Naval Special Warfare Development Group or for short dev group. And then, uh, 20 years later I retired and here I am now. Here you are now. Uh, (laughs) it's fun. Fun. The, the first time that, uh, I came across you is, I think it was a couple of years ago. I was watching a YouTube video on how to keep safe in a hotel room. (laughs) I don't know. I had gone down this wormhole about of, uh, I don't know, like I was like, especially when I learned like how I learned basically how unsecure the basic lock is that we have on all of our homes in every hotel room. (laughs) And I was just went down the wormhole and I saw you talking about it and thought it was so cool. Then I learned about your book. Um, I'd love to, uh, you know, have our listeners learn a little bit of, about your book, 100 Deadly Skills, and uh, maybe we can go through some of those skills, what you think would be the most important if you had to just have a couple of them. Well, yeah. Um, so there's two 100 Deadly Skill books. You know, yeah. the first one uh, hit the New York Times list and sat there for about eight months, which was pretty cool because I don't think any other quote unquote survival book has done that. Mm-hmm. Um it's in the books are literally, I wanted everything to be super easy. You open it up anywhere in the book and you can learn something new. You don't have to read it from page one to page, you know, 300 or whatever. And then 
there's a narrative and then there's an illustration. The illustrations are kind of retro, which makes them kind of fun and cool and collectible. But uh, ultimately, the narrative tells you kind of the why and the how. And then the illustrations really gives you the guidelines on doing that particular skill. The first book is all like clandestine, covert ways of dealing with bad people or bad situations. The second one is the survival edition, and it's focused mainly on dealing with crisis. So ironically enough, in book two, there is a pandemic section. Mm -hmm. There happens to be social unrest and rioting and stampede sections. Um, so book two actually applies to current events a little better than book one. Mm -hmm. um, but the goal was, was to put out skills that everybody should know and should have in their toolbox to be more self-reliant more self-rescue orientated because I feel like that's kind of gone away um, yeah. due to technology. But that's that's a hundred deadly skills in a nutshell. Well, what I really like about about it too is I've come a lot of come across a lot of survival content and have had survival books and stuff. And a lot of the time like you could tell that like it's written from this perspective like if you were like dropped naked in the woods, like how would you live? Which is yeah. not, you know, exactly the most practical. Yeah, not saying it couldn't happen, but it's what <laughs> you really focus on. Kind of, uh, I, I wouldn't. Maybe it's urban. Maybe it's just more modern kind of survival uh, techniques. Yeah, I tried to be just realistic and cut all the bullshit out because I feel like all those books you're referring to, they just add in words to add words, and I'm a true mm. believer in saying as much as possible with the least number of words. But these days, people feel like content has to be 500 words or plus, and you know, we needed to, you know, be clickable and all this crap. But yeah. I don't just, I just don't want to follow that rule, you know? Yeah. I don't you say what needs to be said, and then that be that. Yeah, of course. And and, I, and it's definitely, it's, it's an important thing this day and age to where, like for me, something being practical is far more, uh, useful than something just being purely informational. It's like, ah, that's great if I know, you know, what bugs I can eat that aren't poisonous, but like what, <laughs> what happens when, you know, like right now with civil unrest, what happens if somebody kicks down my door and a bunch of rioters come in or whatever? Like that's the type of stuff I want to, I want to know about and be ready for. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And that's uh yeah, that's a hundred deli skills for sure. So if you were, if we could, we could talk about some of the skills in, in your, your original book, or maybe a little preview of what's to come. Uh, I'd love to go over some of those. Yeah, sure. Is there any one particular that you're, uh, well, uh, particularly right now with, uh, I, the pandemic idea, I guess, is a little passe in today's news, but I'd love to go <laughs> yeah, over some, that. some of those, some of those things were like, if, if the shit were really to hit the fan with something super serious, like what, what are some skills in a pandemic that you'd want to, you'd want to know? Well, I think, um, we've realized that anytime you talk to an infectious disease doctor that focuses on pandemic and they do a desktop drill, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, the indirect like crisis of any virus is the economy. Um, and so we have found that out now. Wow. Um, I could have told you all about it, you know, a year ago and <laughs> things like social distancing and, you know, washing your hands for 20 seconds was nothing new for me. Yeah. You know, that was stuff that's in the book, but, um, <laughs> 
now everybody knows about it. Everybody has a PhD in pandemic. But I think as the economy declines, um, and I think the piece to remember is that anything that happens today in the economy, or more appropriately, what is not happening, the economy is like an accordion. And it'll take a year or a year and a half for us to feel the effects of today, a year and a year and a half from now, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we can assume that the economy potentially could be worse. So when that happens, that means, you know, for the potential of crime rates going up. So fortifying your home, which is in book one, um, is all about simple ways to making sure where you live is safe and secure. So I think that's important as we move into the future. Um, and some of those things are, it starts with the outer perimeter of where you live, which is your neighbors, right? Start Mm -hmm. communicating with your neighbors again, because one of the things we learned overseas going into neighborhoods is that usually the target knew we were coming. And that's because people talk to each other, Mm -hmm. you know, they use their cell phones. They say, Hey, they're coming And three blocks away. The bad guys knew we were coming. Right. So Mm -hmm. that lent to, uh, the homes that definitely lends to home security. Um, so talk to your neighbors, um, be an alert system for each other. The next layer is as you approach the home is lighting illumination. You can't have enough lights lighting up your home. Um, that way a bad guy feels naked when he enters that light bubble. Um, and the big, the reason the lights are there is not for you. It's for your neighbors. So they can see if somebody's hanging outside your house mm. and then they can call the cops for you. Yeah. It's very rare that if you're going to look out a window, you're going to see the bad guy standing against the wall next to the window, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so lighting is for the neighbors, and, and it's important you educate them on that. Uh, during the day, a signage, right? Make sure you've got security signs all over the place. That's old school. That's nothing new, yeah. but they still play an important role even today. A dog. A dog is great, right? Yeah. Um, and what's funny is what goes along with dogs is kids. Um, if you don't have kids, then put a skateboard in your front yard or put it by the front door. Um, if you're a single chick, you know, put a pair of size 12 cowboy boots just outside the front door. <laughs> the uh, sexual predators away. Put them outside the back door, too, while you're at it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, those are things that just kind of deter someone to go on to some other target. Right. Yeah. Um, because most people, when they think in terms of security, they think, oh, I got to have these great locks or I've got to have these great cameras. Um, but just like any bad, all bad guys do reconnaissance and they pick the thing that looks the weakest. So the home that's dark and it doesn't look like the, you know, nothing's being taken care of and it appears that someone that they're gone. Um, that's going to be targeted because most bad guys want your stuff. Yeah. And by the way, the, the guys that come during the day want your stuff. The ones that come at night probably want you or somebody inside that house, right? Bad guys come while you're at work and take all your, all your valuables. But, uh, other layers is at the door and at the window, making sure they're locked. Um, Locks are great. You know, deadbolts are great. But what people forget is that if I kick your door with the deadbolt turned, the door frame breaks and that's how I get in. But so reinforce your door frame with three inch wood screws all the way up the same side of your um, lock plate, that strike plate, right? That yeah. the dead seats into. And then switch out your strike plates 
Right now they have half inch screws. If you went and looked at that door behind you or even your yeah. front door, back door, right? Yeah. Um, switch out the half inch screws for three and a half inch wood screws so that everything is now fastened to the stud closest to the door frame. Yeah. Now when the bad guy kicks that door, it's going to take five to 10 kicks in order for him to break the door frame. Yeah. And that's a good thing because then that gives you time, right? Yeah, in Texas, where I live, kick number one, I'm waking up, kick <laughs> number two, I'm calling 911, kick number three, I'm grabbing my gun, click number four, I'm standing by the door. Yeah. The rest of the time, I'm just waiting for yeah. this guy to hurry up and kick the door in so I can shoot him. But that's Texas, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but the point being is you're creating time. You yeah. want to get as much time on your side as possible, and that's really what security is all about. Second is getting them detained, right? Yeah. And that that is, you know, if you if you keep them outside your house until the cops show up, the cameras are great because that's that's really an afterthought, right? Yeah. The crime's already occurred before camera footage is really useful. So don't ever think of that as some kind of um you know, it's a preventative thing because if the bad guys know you have cameras, then they may not go. But the reality is, is whatever gets recorded is always after the crime is done. So yeah, right. those are some basics. But the book goes in some detail on all these kind of really cheap, um, effective ways to increase security. And I'd say in the future, that might be something important with the way the economy is going. Yeah. And I, the, the door stud thing is just such a great, like, simple thing that I like that I don't think a lot of people would think about. I remember the first time, first time I ever had an apartment and had that little, you know, the slide chain. I forget what that's called, the little slide chain on the door. And I forgot yeah. it was on, and I just opened the door and ripped it off, <laughs> ripped it off the frame. Yeah. I realized, okay, yeah, that, that, that's not going to help anything at all. And, and replaced it with, uh, with, with one of those little flap ones, but also getting the three inch screws. Like that was a big thing. And, putting it into the studs a lot of the time people just like oh i got a little got a little chain on there and then they don't look where the stud is or (laughs) put it in the drywall or something simple stuff yeah no that's 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 great i think that too that people don't there's a lot of stuff online that i've seen where people you know they want to talk about locks and you know where they're where they fail and how they're faulty and all this stuff but like you said like People are going to they're going to look for the weakest, the weakest link on the block that they could break into or, you know, they're they're going to know how to whatever lock you have. There's and they're serious into getting your house. They're going to figure out a way to get in there. (laughs) Yeah. If somebody wants in, they'll get in regardless of what you got going. And the focus on locks is ridiculous because a bolt is a bolt. Right. Yeah. Whatever. You've got cool keyways and you got you know, different types of, you know, five pen, seven pen, crazy locks out there that are all high security, whether they've got discs in them or other ways to prevent them from being picked. But yeah. most bad guys don't pick the lock. They, yeah. they break a window, they kick the door. Um, and those are the things you really need to fend against. Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of you, you mentioned your own firearm. I mean, for people that we Donovan and I both have our own firearms. We've talked about them on our show. In fact, a mutual friend of ours, John Lovell, was on uh, a couple oh, yeah. of years ago talking about firearms. But uh, somebody that doesn't own any or doesn't have anything at all, where's a good starting point for that? Well, if first, if you're if you're if 
I mean, a gun can be intimidating for some people. Um, and there's other options out there, you know, there's wash spray that sprays 30 feet. Uh, if you want to have that in your house, there's, you know, oven cleaner that's very toxic and corrosive to eyeballs where you can blind them permanently. I think that's cool. And then there's, uh, (laughs) no, there, there's a lot of other, uh, things you can use repellents that you can use against humans. Yeah. (laughs) one of my favorites is, you know, uh, bear spray. It's mm. all natural. It doesn't permanently hurt the bad guy, but yet it shoots 30, 40 feet out. And it's like mace times a thousand and you can find <laughs> it all your outdoor stores. Okay. So that's for those people that don't like guns. There's plenty of things you can spray at a bad guy. Um, gun wise though, Um, I don't really go with a make or a model. I think it's important for people to go to a shooting range and there you can rent pretty much any kind of gun and make sure you see what's comfortable for your hand. You know, females hands are smaller than most guys. And so that therefore there's a different kind of frame out there for each person. Um, And you just got to really get it in your hand and shoot it and see which weapon you have the most control with feels most comfortable. Um, and that works best for you on the range. And then finding someone to teach you how to shoot isn't difficult these days. And frankly, I think a lot of, um, shooting instructors kind of take it to this nth degree. It's not that difficult, you know, (laughs) it's a making, ensuring you've got proper grip, ensuring, you know, how to put something, you know, in your sights, Knowing that you're, you should have front sight focus, meaning the front sight should be clear as a bell and the bad guy should be a little blurry. And then squeezing the trigger and uh, making sure you just keep squeezing it accurately until that bad guy is on the ground. And uh, But all of that you know, takes some time. You got to go out. You got to find what works for you. You've got to get some training um, because the last thing you want is buying a gun and a bad guy you know, ripping it out of your hands and beating you to death with it, you know, or using it against you. So I think that's the key is you, if you're going to buy it, remember that it's going to take training. It takes sustainment training. Mm -hmm. And the last thing you want is for someone to use it against you. Yeah. That's, that's another really good practical tip because a lot of times you'll talk to people, especially when it comes to people that are like, gun nerds and they <laughs> and there are gun nerds it's a thing oh yeah they'll, they'll tell you oh you need this caliber or this kind or yeah. this brand or whatever 45 versus nine millimeter <laughs> yeah it becomes this whole de- right. like debate thing and everyone has their own opinion and that was one of the things when my wife and i got our first gun going to the range and like i i originally wanted a nine millimeter for our first gun but my wife had a real problem using that at first, and she got really comfortable shooting with a with a twenty two at first, and she got really good at it and stuff. So that was the first thing we got. I was like, I want one to be something that we're both going to be comfortable taking out of taking out of the out of the safe and using it when it when it comes to it, and then I can get whatever else I want afterwards. But that's the yeah. most important thing I think is being comfortable with it and then trained on it. That's right. Oh. And you got to train. Like yeah. training is always there. It just d- doesn't happen once. Yeah. It's not yeah. like it's uh it's kind of like people always say that like like uh the expression like riding a bicycle. Have you ever tried riding a bicycle when you haven't ridden one in, in years? You can get it going, but it takes some takes some work. I don't know, for me it does. Maybe my balance is terrible, but <laughs> <It's funny. laughs> yeah. Um 
Yeah, I just uh, I, I saw that uh, that quote there on your shelf there. Uh, Think outside the boy. Well, can we talk about that? What is that? What's what's that? Uh, <laughs> I think it says I'm just kidding. <laughs> the angle makes it look makes it look. <laughs> I'm just There's no boys here. I hope not. But that is a good point. You yeah, know, men should definitely think outside the boy. And yeah. that would be a good slogan. We should, we just came up with it now. We just came up because he made put it on a T-shirt and sell it now. I made a yeah. terrible joke, and then it and then it, now it's uh, become a, a life slogan. What's that? I, I am interested though. There's an ominous looking like mask figure or something on the background. What's what is that? <laughs> Those are the covers of my career. You've got uh, you've got the helmet, the okay. ballistic helmet from combat. Uh, to the far right, you have more of the traditional. You know, uh, I don't know if you can see that the traditional um, okay. Navy chief uh, cover or hat, if you will. And in the middle is a uh, a mask. That uh, a mask is exactly I, you know that would probably be very controversial these days. Yeah, but maybe. Um, you use masks, uh, also known as disguises, yeah. um, so that no one knows that uh, you are you, and that uh, how can I put this? I wasn't expecting to get asked about that. <laughs> I put you on the spot. Well, either way, that's some Mission Impossible shit that we got yeah. going on in the background there. And if I'm breaking into your house and you wear that mask, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. I'm it out. is as close to Mission Impossible as you can get. That's awesome. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, there's and there's gloves that go along with that that have uh, you know fingernails and hair follicles and everything else to match. Wow, it's crazy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hey, Clint, uh, really quick. So, you know, the other, uh, you know, big piece of current events that's been happening lately is obviously these riots and, and uh, you know, all the social unrest that's happening in the urban areas uh, and I guess suburban areas as well. But um, one thing that I think is always kind of coming up in those situations is let's say like, you know, you're not necessarily part of the unrest, but you happen to find yourself in it. Like, especially, you know, if you are in a car or something that is, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to get away in as fast as possible. If you're surrounded by people, what, what are some tips that you would give to people just in kind of the basic overview of, of how to deal with civil unrest, especially if you get surrounded? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's one of the skills in book two. And that's, uh, you know, one is to avoid it altogether. These protests are definitely uh, um, tweeted out and put on social media, and it's usually got the location and time in which they start and direction in which they're going to march. But um, so that's first, right? Just don't go near those areas is is uh, key. Um, but if you're like me, I was overseas once, took a wrong left turn, middle of Arab Spring. You know, uh, that was you know several years ago when the whole Middle East was rioting. Mm. And, uh, and if you were uh, a Westerner in a car and you took that wrong turn like I did and you found yourself surrounded by thousands of angry uh, protesters, um, it's not a good feeling. Number one is you can't antagonize people. You can't rev the engine. You can't, uh, I mean, as much as you want to honk and try and get them out of your way, uh, it doesn't work. All it does is antagonize and piss them off. So... Um, when you have emotionally charged groups of people, 
that's what you have to remember. They're emotionally charged. They're at, they're they're not acting logical or rational. They're upset. So emotions are are driving the train that day. Um, for me, the car started going back and forth. It started rocking up onto the passenger tires. Then it would rock onto the driver's tires, and it got worse and worse to where it felt like the car was about to go on its side. Um, but in the middle of all that, I found sympathetic eyes, right? I saw this guy. He was looking. You could tell he was, like, concerned about me, and you could see it written all over his face. Um, so then that's when I gave the universal sign of peace, which is money. <laughs> Right, rub your fingers together, and you say, "Hey, you want some money?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, I'll take your money." Right? All this was communicated through our eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he happened to have an AK forty-seven. Lucky for me, and he went ahead and pointed it at the crowd, and basically, uh, and then eventually made his way to my passenger door. I let him in, which was crazy, but I, for some reason, felt like it was the only option. He pointed his uh, AK out the windshield of that vehicle, and uh, yeah, everybody got out of the way. And so, uh, you know, two weeks, I mean, two blocks to the left and then two blocks to the right, you could hear the birds chirping, and it was like a normal day, and it was a difference between life and death just two blocks away. You know, I gave him the money, he got out, and he went his way. Um, the book will tell you about, you know, kind of the same stuff. Number one, um, avoid it. Number two, Find the high ground, right? If you find yourself in the middle of it, try to get up and above so you can see where the social uh, uh, unrest expands, right? Mm -hmm. That way, too, you can orientate yourself towards it. And then hopefully now you can figure out you're out. If you find yourself in the middle of it, um, a lot of times you can get pushed to the ground, stampede, and that's where suffocation injuries occur and people die. Um, you want to basically shuffle your feet. You don't want to allow yourself, allow your feet or legs to get crossed. Um, you want to get your arms up, you know, hands open in front of your body so that you, you, you basically create air gaps, if you will, so that you can't receive a crush injury from all the people. Um, you definitely want to have your awareness at its highest looking around left and right. And then you want to, as soon as you can find an out, you want to break right, break left. Basically, you get perpendicular to the direction or flow of all the traffic and then put buildings between you and them. That is about as simple as you can make it. But the book goes into some detail and some other techniques and tactics you can use. Nice. Yeah, that's 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 a, a big thing too. The 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 stand the direction of the crowd, the stampede, the one mind that the mob has is trying to break from that. I remember my dad always telling me about that as a kid, like like the, the mobs could change in a sec. And the, That's it, right. it doesn't. It happens like in an instant. It could go from peaceful to just complete chaos. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's interesting, and usually these protests, the cops call it skir skirmish skirmish lines. Yeah. Uh, but remember, there are thresholds out there that you want to avoid. Number one, walls. Right, because if yeah. you get pressed up against a wall. You can't breathe. Fence lines, same thing. You can't breathe. Then there are those lines of cops. Those cops will hit you in the head, even though you're an innocent bystander that just happened to get rolled up. Their life is going to be more important than 
any protest life. That's how cops operate. And that's they're out there trying to govern things. But at the end of the day, they're going to look out for themselves. So don't go near cops. They will not help you on that particular day because that's <laughs> not what they're there for. Yeah, they're right. going to assume that you're a protester and you might find yourself zip tied and on the ground. So yeah. walls, fence lines, barricades and cops you want to stay away from. Yeah. It's funny how that that changes in a pro in protest now too. It used to be like the press was totally immune. Eh, press, 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 and now it's like get the hell out of here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know the press is obviously we know is it can be good, it can be bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> and you were uh, you were talking uh, earlier about you know some research that you had been doing for uh, the third book in the series. Uh, what's uh, what's that been like? Uh, kind of prepping for for that book uh, that's on its way. Yeah. So it was awesome. And it kind of covers a little, I mean, I literally just got back 30 days on the road. I did 24 States, 11,000 miles, went from, went coast to coast during a pandemic, um, interviewing, interviewing the most dangerous dudes in America that I could find. And then each of those guys are subject matter experts in their own disciplines And they're providing five to 10 skills each for the next book that'll make up the next hundred deadly skills. So the next one right now is tentatively called the combat edition. So it'll have hand to hand knife, pistol, rifle, um, and some other fighting techniques in there. Um, it'll serve as a catalog of different combinations of things you can do, uh, to basically defend yourself. Um, so I've got, you know, I've, I've got, uh, the first American Ninja, Stephen Hayes is in the book. You might remember him. He, I had all his books when I was growing up. I mean, yeah, when I remember him popular in the eighties, I had every single one of those damn books. <laughs> um, so it was cool to have him in there. I've got, um, the lead guy from five finger death punch, you know, five oh, yeah. death punch is a, uh, that in itself is what I was curious about. Like, what is the five finger death punch? Yeah. <laughs> um, but so he's a rock star and he happens to be great at uh, Gracie jujitsu and grappling. Oh, wow. um, I've also got, you know, a seven gold medalist boxer to talk about the jab, the cross, the hook and the uppercut properly. Um, I've also got a, a Krav Maga Israeli fighter. Um, I've got, you know, experts in knife fighting. I've got national champions in pistol shooting. And then of course I've got seal team six guys. I've got Delta force guys. Um, I've even got some one percenters like hell's angels on how they fight. So it's going to be a collection of different skills from different walks of badass lifestyles uh, for the average guy and every single thing in the book, once again, is kept simple and it's illustrated. You could literally get off the toilet and go practice it in your living room when you get done reading it. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I got I, I to think that's a, that would be a great uh, guest room bathroom book. I should guest bathroom book. I should, I should keep it in there. Yeah. <laughs> just, just be careful. Just be careful who you let in, you know, yeah. in, into your guest bathroom. In LA. The, you know, <laughs> in LA, yeah. they might call the, call the, the city on me or the governor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but I think this one will just totally, uh, take things to the next level so that if you have all three books, if you have the trilogy, I tell you, you'll be a very capable human being. Yeah. That's, nice. that's so cool. And, yeah. um, 
One thing that we kind of skated over is you, you mentioned you worked with the NSA. Um, I'd love, I'd love to, a lot of people don't think about like cybersecurity and keeping themselves safe online. Do you have any tips for that in terms of privacy or? Yeah. Um, yeah. My time at the NSA, I tell you, they got, you know, you know, they're, most people don't know they're like 10 times bigger than the CIA and they, uh, they really do have more capability than any other agency I've ever worked with. They're, they're awesome. Um, they're, it's where we should all be glad they're on our side, regardless of all the bad press they get about, you know, invading, you know, cyber worlds and back doors and this and that. But yeah. anyway, um, yeah, I think online security is, uh, continues to be important. It's hacking and ransomware and all these other, uh, you know, spear phishing type tricks that guys or that hackers use, uh, are still there every day. Um, so whether it's a, uh, a message in your Instagram account from, from someone, uh, saying, have you seen what, the, what they're saying about you? And then there's a link there. You click on the link and it, has your Instagram login page. Well, guess what? That's not. It's no. it's asking for your username and password, but they're just tricking you into getting your username and password. So in your DMs, don't trust uh, some stranger saying, did you see what they said about you? Did you see what pictures they posted of you on this website? Yes. And then in order to see the link, it's asking you for your login information for the very account that you are already logged into. <laughs> <laughs> that's the giveaway. Yeah. Um, so don't do that. Uh, that's that's definitely a, an example of phishing. Um, spear phishing, which uh, was really popular uh, these last couple of years with um, CFOs or your chief financial officers of Fortune 500 companies where the CFO would get an email – from the CEO saying, Hey, I need you to put 150 grand into this account. Like right now, I'll explain it in the morning. And then the CFOs were doing it, right? They just push this money into an account, uh, because, uh, the, the email looked like the CEO's email address, but it was off by one letter. Uh, and that's all it takes, right? They can go yeah. set up the email account they want, make it off by one letter, and you're the naked eye won't see it. So beware of any kind of urgent email you might receive. Yeah. Passwords. Passwords is always a topic, right? Um, but what I've been telling people for a, for a while now is making sure, number one, we know that it shouldn't relate to your personal life. It shouldn't be your birthday, your dog's name, your kids' names, nothing related to personal, nothing related to your business. Um, It should be just strange, generic words that add up to 24 characters or more is the goal. That's it. 24 characters or more because most of your hacking is done by bots and bot attacks will sit there and go through every symbol on the keyboard You can do all 500 of them in less than a second, right? And so it's just sitting there working against your password over and over and over and over again, all 500. And it doesn't know the difference between a capital A and a little a because it's running through all of them. Yeah. So, you know, symbols and all that, that's what makes it difficult on humans. But for bots, bots don't know the difference between the uppercase and the lowercase because it's going to run all of them anyway, right? Yeah. Goal is 24 characters or longer, 
And that puts time on target usually so long that a bot won't hang out for that long. It'll move on. Um, And humans certainly wouldn't be able to figure it out. 24, to put in perspective, 24 characters would take a supercomputer like, you know, years to figure out, you know, so 24 characters or more. It's just no different than a combination lock. The more numbers you have in the combination, the longer it takes and the more possibilities are infinite. Possibilities are infinite of which order they go in, right? So. There you go. That's uh, the down and dirty. That's crazy. Yeah, I the the password thing that that happened. Uh, my my mom, bless her heart, um, got an email like that for our Netflix account. She was using our Netflix account, and basically, it got hacked by somebody in Colombia or something. And then it just it took forever to get it back, and 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 they were it was just a pain in the butt. But yeah, but a lot of the times they'll send you those those phishing emails and it'll just be off a little bit. And it'll, and now my mom forwards me emails. She's like, is this real? And I can look at it and go, no, no, it's not, not real. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't click on it either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think how important are is, is, uh, cause a lot of the times people would, um, you know, they might have one password that they use for everything cause it's easy to remember. Um, I've kind of created a system with my passwords where they're similar enough, but I know, based on what site I'm going in, how how the password is altered for, you know, whatever site or whatever login that I'm doing. How important is it to be for each login to be different? Is that helpful at all or is that is that not really useful or Yeah, I mean, I would always recommend have a different password for all these different accounts. What you can do though, cuz that sounds absurd with the yeah. number of things we have to log into each day is number one, you can use any of these password manager apps, right? They yeah. can takes care of it for you so that you don't have to. Um, a lot of them these days will generate incredible passwords that, you know, you and I would never come up with. Um, so it's a password generator and it's an organizer. And at the end of the day, if you don't forget something, you just hit reset, send you an email and you reset it. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of one big thing, but if you're like me and you still like to do things kind of manual, yeah. And you don't trust any of those apps because apps are owned by companies and companies could potentially be owned by countries. Right. Um, I tend to steer away from it. Right. So yeah. what I do is I have a foundation password, right? The foundation, which is always the same. And then on the front end or the back end, you can put what it's for. So for example, if I have my cell phone company, yeah. I will have my, my base password, whatever that is. And then on the front end, I will literally have the word, you know, mobile, right? Mm. Mobile password. Now you've got more than 24 characters and I know exactly. Then if it's my cable bill, you know, it's the, that base password, then cable on the front end, you know? So then that way you can, you know, just label. It's like labels within the password. It makes the password different when it's all together and uh and it works for everything and that way it just keeps it simple in your mind oh that makes sense that's similar nice. to what what my wife and i do it's funny i had was one friend that was really uh serious about his passwords and he he was a drummer and so he 
he had different like drum beat rhythms that he would know that like with numbers that he'd like be entering it in and only he would know the rhythm i was like that's probably a little excessive but it's kind of cool yeah dude, i like that yeah. whatever, whatever works you know yeah. well clint if people want to find you and more of your work where can they go yeah, go over to, uh, well, clintemerson.com is kind of like where my whole ecosystem resides. But 100 Deadly Skills is available at all bookstores. And obviously, Amazon is the number one place for books. Um, yeah, clintemerson.com is probably the easiest. All right. Well, thanks so much Sweet. for doing this, man. We'll have to have you back on as it was you uh, released that other book with all those those crazy, uh, dangerous characters that participated. <laughs> yeah, would love to. Thanks for having me, guys. Hello, gentlemen, scofflaws. Thanks so much for being a loyal listener of the show. And your feedback and support is really what keeps us going. It means a lot to us. So sincerely, thank you again. Now, if you're a fan of the show and you want to take your support to the next level, why not support the show on Patreon? We offer all sorts of extras on there like outtakes, extended interviews, a bonus movie podcast, and behind-the-scenes content. Better yet, we have options that start as little as a dollar a month. You pay more for that at a parking meter to go in and grab a cup of coffee at Starbucks. See what I did there? If you're interested in helping support the show, please check out patreon.com slash gentscofflaw or click the support link on the website. Again, that's patreon.com slash gentscofflaw. We look forward to having you as part of our team. All right. Uh, That's a good guess, Clint. Um, Yeah. A lot of really practical information, which I I I, like a lot. Yeah, I feel like it's like the best selling point for his books. Cause yeah. he like, he was able to, it wasn't just like, it wasn't like he just gave us a top five, you yeah. know, like he was talking about, like he, he wasn't just like paying word service. He actually went in and he like really got in depth. I mean, that's, I guess that's the benefit of like when you have guys who have been all over the world and in different situations and you know they, they have experience to kind of back up the, yeah. the methods that they're talking about Yeah, because they so. live it they're able to answer a question on a dime and come up with it because they know it and live it absolutely <laughs> um all right um of course if you want to support the show you can always go to patreon.com slash gent scofflaw and oh, get yeah. yourself uh join your join uh on the show on, on the show become a patron patron oh geez this jack daniels is getting to me Donovan. um <laughs> meanwhile i've drank like half the bottle I mean, and gone i through a little still too recite fast. rudyard kipling's yeah. gunga din um, <laughs> no. but yeah join join on that show on the, on that link and support the show jeez you're getting bubbly <laughs> bubbly i feel like I, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know what happened is I, I I didn't have a lot of water today, and then I had you this also thing. just like ate, didn't you? Yeah, I did. What'd you What'd you get? What'd you What'd you end up getting? I I, I don't want to say. Too, too embarrassed to say. I'm just gonna say Taco Bell. No, I went I went back like a like a like a desperate uh, ex boyfriend. I went back to Halal Guys, even though I had that week of what? shitting myself. So, oh my god! <laughs> no, I'm not like I'm not saying what because I I, I actually I like Halal uh, Guys. I do but too, but that was the thing. You got, that, you got burned. I got burned. <laughs> you got burned by Halal Guys. Well, this um, is our plug. All guys, by yeah, the way. But it was right across the street from the Bevmo where I had to get pick up my yeah, Jack dude, Daniels for yeah, this. Exactly uh, what you gotta do. Yeah, so I grabbed it on Maybe the way back. Better luck this time. You just <laughs> you know. 
Spin that chamber. <laughs> yeah, spin that chamber. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and of course, you can also go to our website, click the shop link, buy yourself a T-shirt. Or you could go ahead and click the links in uh, the show notes or below the video on YouTube. Also, leave us a comment so that we can read it on our next show. Yeah, we want to hear from you guys because we, uh, we go for quality over quantity here at the Gentleman's Golf yeah. Podcast, and we want to. I, I, I don't know. I recently have you know experienced some people doing live streams and stuff, and it's amazing to see you know the personal interaction. Yeah. So yeah, interact, interact with us. Yes, interact with us, damn Please. it. Um, We're so lonely. And no, uh, but, uh, yeah. And on a serious note, uh, we know this week has been really rough um, yeah. in the news. And um, obviously, nobody does. Uh, well, I, I'd say uh, like probably 95% of <laughs> the culture and good people don't condone racism. And obviously, we don't sure. want uh, terrible cops being racist and doing the things that they've done. Um, but we do, our heart does go out to some of the cops out there, many of the cops that are good cops and yep. that are listeners of the show. And a couple of good friends of mine that I, I've been thinking a lot this week that are LAPD and out there on the front lines dealing with this. They've been kind of thrown in the middle of this mess. They don't want to see this happen. Um, sure. But a uh, good shout out to uh, my friend John and then our other friend, Andrew, who's, uh, you know, a rucking buddy of ours um, and uh, just a great yeah. guy. Um, yeah. And uh, we just want to let you know that you're appreciated and we're thinking of you. And uh, I know for a fact that he listens to us out on patrol. So if you're listening to this, knowing, just know that we're with you right now, man. Yeah, just keep fighting the good fight. And, you know, ultimately, I, I, I think that, you know, it's all about, it's not about tearing down, you know, an entire institution and burning it to the ground. It's about finding the good people in there and actually propping them up and getting more people inside. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, one bad cop does not make, uh, does not a nation make as they say, I think Shakespeare said that, um, during the 1992 LA riots. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, to me, it's just like, you know, obviously these things are comp complex. I mean, as Jordan Peterson would say, it's like, you know, this is where, uh, you know, man kind of goes into the heart of darkness and we find some really bad stuff happening. And, you know, regardless of whether it's racism or authoritarianism or whatever, um, it's just evil. And, uh, and that's where, you know, the good men come into play. And, uh, you know, there's, there's good people all over this country and I have a lot of faith in that. So yeah, yeah I say, I say rock on to all those guys out there doing, doing good. So yeah. keep at it. You guys are gentlemen and scoff laws, my friend, Indeed. but not real scoff laws because you do have to <laughs> uphold the law. But we yeah. love and appreciate you. Donovan, you are a gentleman in a scofflaw, my friend. As are you. Stay safe over there on the on the West Coast, and uh, we will see each other soon. Thank you. And you too. Enjoy. You enjoy the Kansas. And you guys have a great week. This has been the Gentleman Scofflaw Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Visit us on the interwebs at gentlemanscofflaw.com. Captain says, his ass on the river, we ain't getting home if we don't break through. So damn cold, I can't help but shiver. Rise and shine, we got work to do. Hey!